your Locked on the New York Rangers, your daily podcast on the New York Rangers. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 737 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. just want to thank you guys, as always, for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. And that song you're hearing right now is, of course, Leave the Lights On from our good friends in Pacifier. You can check those guys out anywhere you get your music. And the Rangers coming off of what can only be described as a disappointing start to the uh, post holiday break here portion of the season or whatever you want to call it um the rangers fall four nothing at home against the washington capitals uh, both teams were on fire coming into this game obviously the capitals uh, were able to seemingly carry that momentum with them through the holiday break more so than the rangers were able to despite the fact that the capitals missing uh, quite a few key players for their team they still come out and they take care of business and they beat the rangers four nothing I would argue that this game was a little bit better for the Rangers than the 4-0 final score would indicate. Now, don't get me wrong. It was not a good game or even an adequate game by any stretch of the imagination for the New York Rangers. They were not very good at all in this one. Uh, But, you know, for a team that got shut out, I thought they at least created a decent amount of scoring opportunities throughout this game, at least the first half of this game. Uh, They didn't really do much of anything in the third period or late in the second period, but we'll get to the reasons why uh, in just a little bit there. A lot of errant passes, though, by the Rangers, a lot of uh, shots going wide, even shots from some pretty high danger areas on the ice going wide of the net and uh, just making it a little bit too easy on Darcy Kemper and the Washington Capitals. Now, Kemper, of course, got the shutout, can't take anything away, did a nice job there, made some good saves for sure, but uh, the Rangers really kind of were their own worst enemy when it came to just not being able to hit the net. I mean, nearly half of their shots went wide on this night, and I think they said the Capitals only put about five shots wide of the net. So uh, that's kind of gives you an idea of how this one played out. But there's a lot to talk about, like I said. One thing that I definitely want to focus on here at the start is the controversial line changes made by Gerard Gallant in the middle of this, of this game. Uh, also want to talk about some of the refs' greatest hits because uh, this was not a banner night for the Zebras at all. Uh, going to get into a key sequence in the second period, which actually kind of coincided with the line changes. And uh, also going to get into the current line combinations at practice, one of which will cause everybody to collectively lose their minds. This is assuming that you haven't already seen it on social media or anything like that. Um, and the other elephant in the room right now is that uh, my family and I recently had COVID. I'm not going to get into it in too much detail today. I talked about it in um, you know the last couple of episodes here, but uh, as you can probably tell by my voice, um, not 100% yet. The good news is my family is you know recovering, and everybody's certainly uh, on their way to getting better. Apparently, my voice is going to be the last thing that goes back to normal, though. So, going to do my best to fight through this. Might be a shorter episode. Uh, we shall see. But you know, Gerard Gallant after this game. He called it garbage. He he said it was a garbage game by the Rangers. And it's funny because there's times where we have, you know, as a fan base, as just watchers of hockey, watch the Rangers in action and seen them just have an awful performance. And then he'll actually kind of defend them a little bit. I want to say the game against the Blackhawks, the game that the Rangers lost 5-2, the game that Truba fired his helmet into the boards, 
I think that was the game where Gallant actually kind of stood up for them a little bit and thought they played well. They didn't play well at all in this game. Then you get a game like this where, yes, it's not perfect, um, but to go out there and call it garbage, I don't think I would go that far either. And I guess, you know, Gallant, in believing that his team was playing a garbage game, putting up a garbage effort, whatever you want to call it, garbage, you know, it's garbage, um, he felt it necessary to change line combinations in the middle of the second period. And I didn't agree with this at all. First of all, let's just start with the uh, line combinations that the Rangers went with going into this game. Panarin, Mika, Kravtsov. And as Anthony Scoltori pointed out, and Scoltori, he does a great job with um, Forever Blue Shirts. He's been a guest on this show a couple of times in the past. Kind of a weird time to go with Kravtsov on the top line because it would mean that he would be matched up against Ovechkin for a good amount of the night. So, a little bit of a weird night to take this line combination for a test drive, but I guess it all ended up being a moot point anyway because the Rangers, you know, shuffled the line combinations after this uh, in the second period. We will get into that. Uh, the second line was the kid line. Third line, Kreider, Trocek, Vizi. Fourth line, Goodrow, Brodzinski, and Gautier. So Blay remains a healthy scratch, second game in a row after that really bad penalty uh, against the Penguins. But then in the second period, uh, Gallant decided that it was time to basically just shuffle the deck and I didn't agree with this at all. I mean, we can go through the line combinations that he went with here. You know, you had Mika, Kreider, and Goodrow. You had Trocek, Kako, and Panarin. But honestly, does any of this stuff even really matter? I mean, we're at the point, we're getting into John Tortorella territory here. I, I've joked before on this podcast how, you know, at times when Tortorella was the coach of the Rangers, I would not even bother learning what the line combinations were because he would be changing them, you know, just a couple of minutes into the game. And then he changed them again, and it got to the point where it was just like, I don't even I, I don't even have the energy to try to keep up with whatever John Tortorella is doing because the line combinations were constantly different. We're getting into that territory with Gerard Gallant. Now, when the Rangers were going through that awful stretch there, and they lost six out of seven or whatever it was, you know, they were just playing awful hockey. I defended Gallant a little bit, you know, changing the line combinations as often as he did because the Rangers were basically at that time just kind of feeling for the light switch in the dark. Just got awful hockey, uninspired hockey, and he's looking for some kind of uh, magic combination to get things turned around and get things moving in the right direction and just kind of spark this team in one way or another. So when they were struggling, I get it. But here, it just didn't make any sense at all. First of all, the Rangers, you have the holiday break, right? So I think a little bit of rustiness is to be expected. And I realize the Washington Capitals, they had the same break that the Rangers did. So you can't use that as like a complete excuse. But the bottom line, it's not unreasonable to believe that a lot of these players are going to be rusty. It's going to take, you know, a period, two periods, maybe even an entire game to get everybody back into the swing of things. And so that's why I think if you're a coach, you let things play out. You don't get all trigger happy with, uh, you know, the juggling of the lines. And on top of that, the Rangers had no longer been struggling before this break. They had won eight out of nine games. So I think the line combinations, as they've been constructed throughout that winning streak, they've earned a little bit of the benefit of the doubt. They've earned a little bit more leeway, a little bit more rope, whatever you want to call it. They've, I would think, earned the trust of the coaching staff. And okay, if there's a lackluster period or two, which is what we pretty much got here, uh, they would still be allowed to work their way through it, find their game, and start firing on all cylinders. And the funny thing about this, right before Gallant messed with the line combinations and moved everybody up the lineup and down the lineup and left and right and everything else. That's right when the Rangers were starting to find their game a little bit. For the first time all night, the Rangers were uh, they, they were skating better than they had at any point during the night. They were starting to win some 50-50 pucks, uh, being to make some more crisp passes, 
they were playing more physical than they had played all night up to that point, and, you know, just starting to get it together, starting to look like they're playing New York Ranger hockey, and keep in mind, at this point in the game, it's getting a little bit late in the second period, yes, but the Rangers are still just down one to nothing. It's anybody's game, and, you know, having watched this team recently, as a lot of you have as well, you start to almost feel like, okay, the Rangers, yeah, we're down one nothing. you know what, we got these guys right where we want them. The Garden's starting to come alive a little bit, fans are starting to make a little bit more noise, Rangers are finding their game, uh, we'll get this game tied before the second intermission, we'll go into the third, you know, 1-1, and we'll do what the Rangers do and find a way to get the job done here. Uh, That's kind of the feeling that I had, and it was kind of derailed by the coach because instead of just uh, continuing to let the Rangers build off of what they were starting to build there and, you know, playing better hockey as this game progressed, he basically, as I tweeted last night, tried to reinvent the wheel, did all these different line combinations, and again, I don't even care what the new line combinations are. I I don't even have time to analyze them because by the time I figure out what the line combinations are and, okay, well, maybe this makes sense because, you know, this guy plays physical. He'll complement the skill guy over there. Uh, These two guys seem to have good chemistry together. It might be interesting to see them on the same line. By the time I process all that, Gallant will change the line an additional three times. So there's not really much point in even trying to learn what the line combinations are right now. But the biggest issue I have with it is not what the new line combinations were. I don't even care about that. It's just the fact that he took what had been working before the break, eight out of nine wins, eight wins in nine games, and decided to blow the whole thing up just because the Rangers weren't quite creating enough offense. They didn't have any goals. That's the better way to phrase it. It's not that the Rangers weren't creating any offense because they actually, for a team that got shut out, I thought created a decent amount of scoring chances in this game. The shots just weren't there, you know, shooting wide of the net uh, on a fairly common uh, basis there, but he just blew it up just because of the fact that the Rangers had zero goals. I mean, that that seems like it was pretty much the long and short of it, and didn't agree with it, thought these uh, line combinations have earned the right to kind of fight through it, work through their struggles, and try to get this game turned in the Rangers' favor, which they very well might have been able to do, but they weren't given that opportunity because Gallant, once again, uh, pretty much just blew up the line combinations, and after he did that, uh, everything just completely fell apart for the Rangers. They gave up two goals late in the second period and basically created no offense after these line combinations uh, were once again altered by the coach. So I like Gerard Gallant. I've gotten a bat for him on here. Uh, I, for the most part, believe I will continue to stand up for him because, you know, there, there's a lot of piling on, and I think he gets a little too much criticism. But I also got to be fair here. I did not agree with uh, pretty much any of these uh, adjustments that he made in the middle of the game here. Just did not think it was the right time and uh, did not think that it was called for. But we're going to continue talking about all this uh, key sequence in the second period after the line changes were made and a whole bunch of other stuff too. But first, just got to let everybody know, today's episode of Locked on New York Rangers is brought to you by BetOnline.net. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league. From pro football to college bowl season to basketball and hockey, we've got it all at betonline.net. If you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. We just want to thank you guys, as always, for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. All right, so I've pretty much said my piece on, you know, the line combinations and why I essentially just did not believe that they needed to happen. 
Um, but I think it's also important for us to kind of examine uh, exactly what went down in this game after the line combinations occurred because the Rangers just completely lost their mojo in a game that was just one nothing as late as, you know, three minutes remaining in the second period is then three to nothing by the time you go into the third period. Not that the game's over at that point, but man, you got a heck of a hole to, to climb out of uh, by the time you're down by three goals. And it's just demoralizing to go from a one-goal game to a three-goal game in such a short span there. But right before the line combinations uh, were switched, the Rangers had a really good six or seven or eight-minute stretch there, uh, creating some scoring opportunities, looking like they were maybe just one chance away from finding the equalizer. Unfortunately, it did not happen, but then all the line changes occurred, and you've got a rush for the Capitals pretty much right out of nowhere, a four-on-two, a couple of short passes. The puck kind of went on net, and Igor knocked it away, uh, but Gustafsson was right there in front of the net. He puts it home with about three minutes remaining in the second period, and he scores. And then the Rangers challenge for goalie interference. And this is just one of several questionable calls by the refs here. I mean, this one isn't really in their hands. You know, it goes to Toronto, and they take a look at it, and they assess everything and do whatever they do there. But um, basically, you know, Igor Shosturkin, there, there was some contact there in front of the net while he was trying to make the save. And so the Rangers challenge for goalie interference uh, goes to the review. And when the ref announces, you know, his findings or, or the findings by the fine people in the booth at Toronto or whatever that is, whatever the verbiage is, um, he basically went out there and he said that no contact with the goalie occurred, which is just not true. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say that, you know, this is a, the type of goal that 100% should have been overturned and should have been disallowed, but to go on the microphone as the referee there and say that no contact occurred is absolutely ridiculous. I mean, they, they, there was clearly contact between Igor and the Capitals player there. So uh, I don't know what these reviews anymore. I, I never really know for sure what they're going to come up with or what the reasoning is going to be or, you know, what constitutes, you know, undeniable proof or, or anything like that. Um, but I do know that there was certainly contact between, uh, you know, Igor Shosturkin and the Capitals player there. But the bottom line is, you know, the Rangers, they do all these line changes. And I know Galan has had some success when he's, you know, mix and matched recently. But they had settled into a lineup, you know, not too long ago, and it had been working really well. So, again, I just don't think there was any reason to blow everything up in this game the way that the Rangers did. And, of course, since the Rangers did not win the challenge, it's a bench minor, and it's a uh, power play for the Capitals. And then, you know, the Rangers actually killed it off. But final minute of the second period there, you've got Eller uh, driving to the net. He rips a shot, makes it 3 to nothing, which is 36 seconds to go in the second period. The Rangers had a turnover in the neutral zone, and Eller pretty much just did whatever he felt like doing here. You know, he kind of just skated right up the center of the ice, uh, put a couple of forwards, it looked like, and Truba was there. He was in his way. Kind of looked like Eller might have used Truba as a screen here. Either way, he releases the shot, and he scores. And like I said, uh, 1-0 lead for the Capitals becomes a 3-0 lead, and I think it's due in part to Gallant just being a little bit too trigger-happy when it comes to these line combinations. Yes, the Rangers could have played better after the line changes were made, but I also got to believe that it's somewhat demoralizing as a player. You know, you just have a rough period and a half, and, you know, the coach is going to reinvent the wheel, and everybody's getting demoted, and even the guys who aren't getting demoted have two new line mates, and you got to find chemistry with them. You know, they, they had something building there. They had some momentum going, and it was taken away from them. And you got pretty much to start from scratch at that point because all the line combinations uh, were different. So, 
Again, this was not a shuffle the deck kind of a game for the Rangers. To me, this was just a stick with it kind of a game for the Rangers because the Rangers had not been great through the first half of this game, but they were right there in it and they were starting to find their mojo a little bit and again, got taken away and uh, it's just unfortunate. You know, who knows what would have happened in this game uh, had these line combinations just gotten a couple more shifts together and a couple more chances uh, to figure it out. But we're going to keep going in just a second here. Going to talk about some of the, uh, the ref's greatest hits in this game. Not that I think that you know, the Rangers would have won this game with better officiating. I mean, the, the refs weren't great either way, but we will get into that in just a second. All right, so the refs in this game. Uh, for starters, in the first period, you know, the Capitals end up with a five-on-three for a minute and 40 seconds. It all started when Ryan Lindgren was called for slashing, and I emphasize that he was called for slashing because Ryan Lindgren did not slash anybody. Vincent Trocek slashed somebody, and the refs, I guess just got confused about who did what. They weren't even really that close to each other on the ice, so I don't really know how that happened. I mean, look, if there's a big scrum and sticks are up in the air and, you know, guys are kind of like, like fighting for position, there's like five or six players in the middle of something and you see a slash by, you know, a, a player wearing a blue shirt, then I can at least understand this. But these two weren't anywhere near each other on the play. So Lindgren was beside himself when he was called for this, and I don't blame him. And you might hear that and think like at first glance, well, you know, it's a penalty on one or the other. I mean, what what difference does it make who they call it on? Well, Ryan Lindgren is somebody that the Rangers are going to want out there on the penalty kill. So is Vincent Trocek, but Trocek's a forward. Lindgren's a defenseman and probably the, the second best defenseman that the Rangers have right now. And certainly he's more important on a penalty kill than Vincent Trocek. Trocek does a great job with it too, but there's other forwards you can go to and other really good penalty killers you feel just as good about. Guys like Mika and Kreider and VZ, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Goodrow. Um... But yeah, Lindgren is somebody you certainly want to be available when you're uh, on the penalty kill, and especially maybe even when you're down five on three as well, um, because the Capitals ended up with a five on three. Kreider was called for holding Ovechkin, and of course the Capitals then convert. Uh, we also had a situation where Filipino had a nice rush up the ice. He was hooked by Ovechkin. Now Ovechkin did drop his stick on this, but I don't really care. I mean, it certainly looks like he... Uh, you know, hooked Heedle and prevented him from kind of, you know, taking off through the neutral zone as much as he could have. Then the third period, you had uh, Adam Fox. He drew a penalty. It was called against Connor Sheary, high sticking. And the refs actually got this one. But what was funny about this was it was called by the ref that was in the neutral zone. The guy that was right next to Fox and Sheary. And seemingly it happened right in front of him. He did not end up calling the penalty. And Fox, even though the penalty was called, he was asking the ref, like, I, I think pretty much, like, what are you looking at? Like, how are how are you not calling that? The guy in the neutral zone saw it. So that was another example. Uh, we also had Julian Gauthier. Now, he played well in this game. Another strong showing for Julian Gauthier. He came close to scoring a goal. Uh, they reviewed it. Puck never completely crossed the line. So uh, that call stood, the no-goal call. But also in the third period here, Gauthier is uh, chasing the defenseman. Picks his pocket, forces a turnover right there on the doorstep, right in front of the Washington net. And Gautier is immediately knocked onto the ice because Irwin, the defenseman from whom he stole the puck, uh, used his right leg to basically just sweep Gautier's left leg out from underneath him. Uh, very bad no call. Another one that happened right in front of the referee. Bad, bad night for the officiating. And again, I'm not going to say that, you know, a four-goal loss 
would have turned into a win of any kind for the Rangers if the refs had been a little bit better, but the refs need to be better than this. I suppose they were rusty, just like everybody else. I'll try to give them at least a little bit of a break here, but uh, yeah, just kind of for our own amusement, I just kind of want to go through uh, this this comedy of errors from the officiating team uh, on this night. And I am also completely done with the reverse retro jerseys, if I have not made that clear, because nothing good happens for the Rangers when they wear the Lady Liberty jerseys. And here's another example of it. The Rangers have won eight out of nine, looking to get rolling after the holiday break, and they wear these jerseys and they lose four to nothing. So no more. And I, I for sure, I, I would have to look into this more. If the Rangers make the playoffs this year, you cannot even think about having those jerseys. Forget about the Rangers actually wearing them. They cannot even be in the building. They cannot be in Madison Square Garden. In fact, if I'm a team playing the Rangers, I would like leave them in the, in the away locker room or something like that just to mess with them a little bit. Keep those jerseys far, 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 far away from this team. Nothing good happens when the Rangers wear them. The other thing I just want to mention real quick here, every season, every offseason, there's so many people that say the three teams in the Eastern Conference that have kind of held on the fort for such a long time, the Capitals, the Penguins, and the Bruins, every single year I have to hear about how, you know, these teams, their, their time is... Uh, about to end, and you know the, the, the fall is going to be swift, and it's going to be hard for all three of these teams. All three of these teams continue to be in the mix every single season. The Capitals, the Penguins, and the Bruins. They are the three cockroaches of the Eastern Conference. They just never go away. They never die. And look at the season they're all having right now. Penguins are feeling it after you know a bad start. The Bruins have had uh, the best record in the Eastern Conference for most of the season. And the Capitals, despite all these injuries they have, uh, they're right in the mix of everything too and uh, obviously playing a lot better recently. So these three teams just will not die. Somebody uh, somebody, let me know when, it, when it's for real because every offseason for at least three or four years now, we've been hearing about how these teams are going to start flung off. just never happens. And as far as the line combinations at practice, we mentioned that we would get to these at the very end of today's episode. You've got Mika centering Kreider and Kako on the top line, Trocek centering Panarin and Goodrow on the second line, third line, Hedl centering Krasov on the left wing, Gautier on the right wing, and the fourth line, Brodzinski with VZ on the right wing, and on the left wing, Lafreniere slash Blay. The fact that Lafreniere is on the fourth line is troubling enough. The fact that this seems to indicate that possibly, possibly he could be a healthy scratch while guys like Sammy Blay, Johnny Brodzinski, Jimmy Vesey, Julian Gauthier, I mean, that can't happen. That that can't happen, right? There, there's no way they would go that far. Do you really believe that Sammy Blay and Johnny Brodzinski and Julian Gauthier are more important to this team than, uh, than Alexi Lafreniere? I, I would hope the answer would be no, but uh, I guess we'll wait and see. I'm a little bit nervous about this one, and I'm sure a lot of you are as well. Anyway, that'll pretty much do it for today, guys. In our next episode, we will take a look at the World Juniors and most specifically uh, the Rangers that are playing at the World Juniors, but we'll also look at the tournament as a whole. That'll be a lot of fun. Always a uh, good time covering that tournament for an episode or two. And then uh, after that, Rangers going to be back in action on Thursday, and if my Laptop felt like loading here. I could tell you who they're going to play. On Thursday, they will be at Tama Bay at 7 o'clock. So that'll be a fun game as well. Uh, obviously, Eastern Conference final matchup. And these two teams have not played each other since opening night this year, which was, of course, a Ranger win. Uh, but that will do it for today, guys. Once again, if you'd like to get in touch with this podcast, please send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Definitely give us a follow on Twitter at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. And definitely subscribe to the Locked On New York Rangers YouTube channel. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time.
Thanks for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. Now make your second listen, Locked On Sports Today. Peter Bukowski brings you the biggest stories from around the sports world in 20 minutes. Get the analysis and opinions before anyone else with our local and national experts and insiders. Locked On Sports Today podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts.